you have to put your biases aside and, and you have to care for all people. And so I decided as a nurse leader that I wanted my North Star or my whole passion or drive was to create a psychologically safe environment where patients, nurses, the team, everyone, respect is there and compassion is there and that all carries over to the patients that we serve. Now more than ever, it's essential for us as leaders to create a culture of psychological safety. This is critical for team members and it's equally important for the patients we serve. But it's not always easy to put our personal views aside. Vaccination reluctance, preconceived notions about medications, Dr. Google, and the list goes on. It's not easy. But the bottom line is that when we drown out all the noise and we just focus on compassion, we can transform an environment with mutual respect and dignity. I'm Rebecca Corin-Metter, and this is Moments Move Us, a people-first podcast unlocking the power of meaningful moments by bringing you stories that inspire. Kimberly Jarrell is a people person. She starts conversations with strangers and always sees the good in others. Those qualities have served her well throughout her nursing career and in her current position as Chief Nursing Officer at Bon Secours Mercy Health. In this episode, Kim shares how she supports her staff on a deeply human level. She knows if she can make them feel respected and valued, that's going to carry over into their patient care. And making a difference in other people's lives is what drew her to healthcare in the first place. So let's start there. My whole life, I wanted to be a nurse. I thrive off of helping people and making a difference. It, it gives me energy. It's really my true north and my my why for so many reasons. When you talk about like that you always wanted to make a difference, do you remember a time when you were younger when you were like, I think nursing could be for me. I can see how I can make an impact here. We had a lot of elderly neighbors when I was little and spending time with them and the simple thing of just sitting and visiting as a, a child going and visiting an elderly person that didn't have a lot of young people in their lives and to see how that made a difference really made me want to do this even further. The, what could I do the rest of my life to make an impact like that? And today as a nurse leader, when I round and, and see patients, it again brings me back to my why. That So often I'll just go in and I'll pull up a chair and sit with a patient and hold their hand. And I'll have tears walking out of the room because it just fills my cup. And it's just what makes a difference. You know, the nurses have so much on their plate as far as giving medications and treatments and the tasks, but the care that we can give and the compassion that we can share is the little things that really make an impact and really promote healing. It's just such an incredible feeling. So yeah, we, you know, it's funny. It wasn't like a sick family member or anything like that. It was just being out and making a difference for the elderly people in my neighborhood. One of her name was Miss Campbell. And we would go over there and she always had candy for us. We loved Miss Campbell. She didn't have any grandchildren, but I'll never forget her and being there and, and give, giving her a smile and being part of her journey was very impactful and, and really a part of what I do and why I do what I do today. That's a really impactful story, Kim, because I feel like as a kid, when you sit with an elderly person, you have this kind of unique experience where 
they've lived so much of their lives. They have so much to share. And it feels like you're really at sort of two different sides of a, of a spectrum. But, you know, in some ways, being on either end of that sort of life cycle makes you almost even more connected. Absolutely. And the funny thing is I went straight from nursing school to labor and delivery. And so, like you said, Rebecca, the opposite end of the spectrum, but being part of those moms birthing experience with that monumental event in their life is such a privilege. And even in the darkest times, everybody thinks that labor and delivery is all happy times, but there are times when a mom unfortunately has to deliver a baby that doesn't have a, a good outcome. And being there for those moms is some of the best days I've had in nursing. And I know that sounds crazy, but those moms needed us so much more than probably the mom that had the beautiful delivery because it just wasn't the plan. And wow, to sit there and we did, we would sit and cry with these moms because it's real and the hurt, the, you know, this was not the plan. And it's just a privilege to be a part of being able to make a difference for these patients. And this is why it's been the most trusted profession for 20 years. I mean, nurses, I think, are looked to when things are not going well as a source of comfort, healing, and safety. And what you're saying, I think, is is true of so many nurses where they feel so connected to those times when maybe things aren't going well, but they were able to be there for someone in, in a real compassionate way to help them get through a really tough time because that's when the calling expresses itself the most. And then there are times where a patient that's passing and then you as a nurse get to be there for that family. So it extends beyond the patient. We had a patient that was a young gentleman that was going to donate his organs, I don't know, about a year ago. And we became so connected with that family and I'll never forget them and, and the gift that they were giving then just so heroic and just amazing the impact that we could, the gift that we could give that family beyond the patient during those really tough times. It's so many stories and so many um, patients that you, and families that you'll never forget as a nurse. And those stories keep us going. It's been so tough over the last two years. And I feel like the more we can focus on the stories, the better we're going to be reminded of our why, like you said, and really the value that you bring every day. I'm curious about your experience, Kim, in like a COVID world of things are loosening up. We're seeing sort of reductions in surges, and that's a blessing for all of us. What do you do to kind of maintain this human connection? And how do you permeate that out across the system? Like, how do we keep the humanity at the forefront of our care in light of everything that's been going on and all the stresses and additional sort of challenges that nurses have today? I think as nurse leaders, we have to be visible. We have to be that leader that is willing to roll our sleeves up and walk alongside those staff nurses and the bedside nurses and support them. So the support has to start with the support that we give our, our staff because they, I mean, they live it, they walk it every day. And I live by, if you have compassion with your teams and you respect your teams, you celebrate your teams all of that will carry over to the patients that we serve. And so we just have to be consistently visible out on the floors, understanding what the nurses and the techs and the team are going through and to be empathetic. 
there are times uh, there were nurses as they were leaving night shift, uh, they would be crying and it just, they were short staffed. You know, their calling was to do compassionate care and to hold a hand and be at the bedside. And with those challenges, a lot of times they didn't have that time. And so just to pull them aside and sit and listen and give them that time to cry and, and let their guard down and know that it's a safe environment and it would not be anything that would bad would come from it really made a difference. And there were times where we knew as nurse leaders, we wouldn't leave until 12, one o'clock in the morning to be out there and supporting our staff because it was that important to role model the expectation and to really genuinely care and show that for your teams is really what got us through it. You shared, Kim, that you started off as a labor and delivery nurse. How did you propel into nursing leadership? Was there any real moment that kind of shines for you? There was, and I'll never forget. It was a Saturday morning and I came in to work and everybody was hanging around the the, um, whiteboard where we had our patient assignments and no one wanted to take care of this one patient because the patient's baby had been diagnosed with a lethal genetic disorder and the mom and dad were told that the baby would not survive delivery. And so the mom was 23 weeks pregnant and she decided to go ahead and deliver the baby instead of carrying the baby till term. And so I stood up and I said, you know what, I'll take care of this patient and this family. And I did. And we had a beautiful delivery. We bathed the baby, we clothed the baby. And I I left the room for the parents to have some time with their baby. And I came back in later to check on them. And there was that dad over in the corner rocking that baby as the baby passed. And the, the mom and to see how sad and devastated these parents were. This was a much desired pregnancy. It was just devastating. And so all I could think was, how dare those other nurses be not willing to take care of this family? It was so tragic for them. And I feel as a nurse, we take an oath. We have to put our biases aside and we care for everyone, no matter what. The patient next door might be addicted to drugs, but just because I'm not addicted to drugs doesn't mean that I'm not going to take care of them. You have to put your biases aside and, and you have to care for all people. And so I decided as a nurse leader that I wanted my North Star or my whole passion or drive was to create a psychologically safe environment where patients, nurses, the team, everyone, respect is there and compassion is there. And like I said earlier, and that all carries over to the patients that we serve because you never know what people are going through. And as a healthcare provider, a nurse, we have to just be there and care for them and be part of their healing journey. Cause we have to care for people holistically, mind, body, and spirit, because it's, it takes all three to heal patients. That's such a powerful story, Kim, to have a patient in a situation like that. And then for that to be your fuel in creating psychologically safe environments for all, because I think biases do come into play and we see it in all kinds of different ways. And when you have patients that are coming in that are different from you and might have made choices that you disagree with, to be able to still care for them and give them the dignity that they so much deserve. It's a hard thing though, I can imagine, to be able to put some of those biases aside, but it seems necessary to be able to care for the whole person, like you said. 
Yes, and it really is. Where I work now, the socioeconomic status is lower. And so it just warms my heart to make a difference for these people in this community. And I always say we roll out the red carpet for this community because they deserve it. How do you set the tone for a psychologically safe community with your nursing leadership and the teams? How do you create an environment where you know that all of your team members are keeping that at the forefront and making that possible? We talk about how every patient in this building is to be treated as if they were our family. It could be my mom, my grandmother, your mom, your grandmother, but they are family. And that's how we treat them. And you you treat the patients the way you want your family member treated when they come to this hospital. And we talk about that all the time. When the nurse leaders huddle in the morning, they want to hear from each nurse. Tell me about a personal connection that you made last night. Because making those personal connections for these patients is huge. You're not just seeing the patient as a number or in the bed. This is a person that has a life outside of this hospital. And how did you connect with them? It's not just walk in. Hi, I'm Nurse Nancy. Here's your medications. I'm going to take your vital signs. It's my name is Kim, and I'm going to be here today to take care of you. I love your flowers. Tell me about your flowers. Is purple your favorite color? Whatever it is. But to really treat them as if they were their family member. That's triggering a memory for me of having loved ones in the ICU and then thinking about bringing sort of family photos to have them up so that when you're not there, those family photos can be looked at by the nurses and the team that's taking care of your loved one. And they can know that it's not just a person in the bed. It's actually this person's part of a family and they can really visualize it. So it's almost like on the other side, on the patient side. Yes, it's so true. I'll tell you another aha moment for me was I was rounding on a patient that was complaining about their care. And and I ended up becoming very close with this patient. I'd go see her every day and we would talk and her husband brought in a picture of her when she's outside the hospital. And it was an aha moment. She's this beautiful woman. And in the bed, we see this lady that's been here. Her hair is disheveled and she's in a patient gown. And we have got to see our patients like beautiful human beings. That's just not a patient in the bed that they need us and we need to get them back to the way they were outside of the hospital. I had a recent experience when my grandmother was at the end of her life and she was being cared for in a hospital and her entire life, she would never be seen without red lipstick on. So even if you would go visit her sort of at any random time of the day, she would have to make sure her lipstick was on before she would open the door. So, you know, even in the bed, making sure that she had that lipstick on because we knew that she would want that. It's the little thing. Yes, it's so important. Those things are so important. There was another patient that was deaf and she had a hard time connecting with the nurses. So they called me to come see her and we got to know each other. I even came back on a Saturday to see her because she just really moved me. And so one of the things we did, we found out she loved jewelry and we would all bring her in all kinds of different necklaces and we would dress her up and just really made a difference because she was very frustrated. Her experience in the past led her to believe that because she was deaf, people wouldn't care for her the same way. And so when we found that out, we were like, oh no, we're going to exceed her expectations so that she feels safe and she feels valued and she feels heard. And it just, oh my gosh, all the staff got involved and it made a difference for everyone on the team. 
talk about like going over and beyond and really seeing the patient as the whole person. I just feel like we say the word patient a lot, but really it's just a person. And when we start to shift from patient to person and you think about like this great example of the jewelry and you just shared, it probably made her feel so much more like herself and just fully appreciated for who she is, but also for your team. I'm sure it probably filled them up so much to be able to provide that new experience for her and to shift what was maybe a frustrating relationship to one that was really positive. Yes, it really did. I know that you have had some really unbelievable experiences as an inventor and an entrepreneur. I would love to hear and for you to share a little bit about the story of how you came up with the drape that has been helping so many women. Yes, I'd love to. It all started, it was myself and two other nurses, and we had a patient that wanted to deliver at home, and she pushed and pushed and pushed at home and then was brought in to have a C-section. And to see her there crying, because most women, their whole life, they envision this beautiful birth. And she felt as though she was robbed from that because she was having to have a C-section. And so myself and the two other nurses, we met afterwards and we said, what can we do to create a beautiful birth experience like what they have in a vaginal delivery in a sterile OR? What is the barrier to having that baby skin to skin immediately after birth. And really it's the drape. It was the surgical drape. And so we started meeting in my dining room and we started with construction paper and talking to people, met someone that was willing to take us under their wing and help us through the journey as far as getting the the drape made. And so we did, we were using it today, but wow, we were in the newspaper and then from there, it just it kind of exploded, for lack of better words. But one of the things that we were asked to come out to LA to receive a award from the bump.com. And so myself and Debbie flew out there. And on the way there, we were in the like second to the last row. And Debbie kept turning around and looking. And I said, what are you looking at? And she's like, this man's having a seizure. And I said, oh my gosh, get up. Let's go help him. And so we get up and Debbie's holding his airway and we got, they brought us oxygen. And so we land the plane, the poor guy was having seizures and I was sitting on an oxygen tank and Debbie standing up holding this man's airway open and we land the plane and he gets taken care of. Kim, this was on the way out to receive an award for the drape? Yes. Oh my gosh. So on the plane, you're caring for someone who had a seizure. Wow. So then we go and it's this beautiful reception in in Los Angeles. We're so excited, but not really understanding how big of a deal it is. And we're just excited to get an award. And we look over and we're like, who is that? There was some lady that walks in and she's having her picture taken. All these people with these big cameras taking pictures. And they were like, that's Kristen Bell. And we were like, oh, we had no idea it was going to be that big of a deal. Kristen Bell was there to give us our award. And so, so humbled by it. And still to this day, can't believe that we were there and we got an award. It was just so humbling because really we did it because we wanted to make a difference for these moms that weren't afforded the opportunity to have a vaginal delivery. And something that we always say is moms should be the first to hold their babies. And the operating room shouldn't be an exception to the rule. And the deliveries that we've seen using the drape moms, a lot of them, the baby stays there the whole time. 
And the babies, a lot of times are nursing before they even leave the OR. It's just beautiful. That's an amazing story, Kim. First of all, I just love the imagery of you sitting with your nursing colleagues in your dining room with the construction paper and coming up with the drape. That's a really phenomenal image there. And then being able to build and create the drape and then have moms use it and be able to have that first moment with their babies and then to get an award and of course to save someone's life potentially on the way out to LA. It's just an amazing story. And I feel like people don't always get recognition that they deserve. I love that you received an award for that. And it sounds so incredible, but it's just such a story of nurses to then have to save someone's life on the plane on the way out to get that award. Yes, it was awesome. But yeah, no, it's just, we didn't do this for anything other than for moms and babies to have that experience in a sterile operating room. So it's been a journey. You know, I'm a nurse. I'm not a salesperson. It's funny because we have gone out to other hospitals to demo the drape and such, and I'd struggle with it. I'm just not a salesperson. We're just here to advocate for moms and babies. That's the most important part. And it just sounds like a lot of moms have been able to benefit from your work and innovation. That's really interesting. You know, one of the things that I've heard a lot about is how much innovation is happening in so many areas, especially during the pandemic and a lot around nursing. Have you seen a lot of innovation happening in the last couple of years across teams? As far as innovation with COVID, a lot of it has been, especially when COVID first started, oh my goodness, every day, every week, the initiatives and what we were doing was changing. And it was like, I describe it as drinking from the fire hose. It's funny, one day, I w- it was a Saturday, and I came in to check on the teams shortly after COVID started. It was like March or April 2019. And there was a nurse at the nurse's station, and she was clearly frustrated because she said, nobody knows what they're doing, because every time I turn around, things are changing. And so I was so glad that I was there to be able to talk to her. And I heard that and explained to her that I understand her frustration because it is hard and it feels like nobody knows what's going on because things are rapidly changing. And it's not because people don't know what's going on, but it's because of the fact that this is something we've never dealt with before. And every day they're finding newer and better ways of doing things and managing these patients. And she was grateful that I was actually, I came in on a Saturday and she was so grateful that I was there to sit and talk to her because she was frustrated. Me being able to sit down and take that time with her and acknowledge and again, empathize with her really made a difference for that nurse. So in the beginning, it was really scary because of the PPE shortage. We don't seem to have that as much anymore, really, which is such a blessing. It's so, I mean, just that basic needs is great. As far as innovation, right now with the nursing shortage, we're looking at different care models. Do we go back to team nursing where you have your RN, your LPN, and your tech, and you all have a group of patients together and you work as a team, which is really fabulous. We are working on some things right now behind the scenes as far as technology, things like something as simple. If you ask a nurse today, if we we could give you anything right now as a nurse at the bedside, what would it be? And a couple of them recently have answered time, time back so that I could spend that time with my patient, pulling up a chair and talking to them and then leaving work, feeling accomplished 
and that you really made a difference for that patient. And so we're looking at different things as far as being innovative, but they're simple things. Like if you're a surgical nurse and you have three patients that need to get ready for the OR and you have three other patients that might need other things, well, why don't we partner with the OR team and those OR nurses come over and they help get those patients ready so that we can give that nurse time back at the bedside. So things like that, that are that simple. It's exciting. That is because you listened and really understood the need and then were able to find sort of simple solutions like the OR nurses coming down to help get patients prep for surgery. It makes perfect sense to allow then the nurses at the bedside to be able to, to manage their other patients and to have some of that time back. And there's brilliance in the tiny little things that can really go a long way. But the hard part is finding time as a leader to ask the right questions and then having that intention behind it of, I really want to know like what's getting in your way so that I can remove barriers for you and try to make your work easier and maximize your purpose sort of driven work that you're why you're here. It's so true because the majority of nurses, I would like to say 100% of nurses go into nursing to make a difference. And when you're just documenting and giving out medications and doing the basics, you don't feel accomplished. They need and they want that time back at the bedside with their patients to make a true connection to hold their hand. And so how can we get back to that? There is a story, something that I think when we talk about nursing and the difference that nursing makes, you know, my mom, when she was three, she had polio and she was in the hospital for three months. And first they told her parents that she would never survive. And then they told her parents that she wouldn't walk again. Well, she, she survived and she walked, but it's funny when I talked to my mom about how it was in this ward, this polio ward, the only people that she remembers taking care of her were the nurses. And she talks about wasn't the doctors or anyone else. It was the nurses. And she talks about how for a child, she was only three, three months without seeing any of her family, the nurses were her family. And that's the kind of impact that nurses make. And it just, it blows me away, but it is something that I like to share because it makes me proud to be a nurse. I feel like so many nurses, when they go to care for a patient, they think about caring for them as their family. Like you said, like creating that environment of psychological safety, imagining that this patient was your mother or your sister or your brother and bringing that into the care with every interaction. So that compassion kind of bubbles to the surface and then you have that connection and it's a two-way street because the love flows both ways then once you start opening up that sort of energy currency, I feel like. Absolutely. We had a, an interesting learning at Wambi when we first deployed one of our first clients like five years ago. I was at a presentation to a bunch of nurse leaders and they had already had access to Wambi for a short amount of time. Afterwards, she came up to me and she said, you know, Rebecca, I've been practicing as a nurse for over 22 years, and I've always tried to treat my patients like they were my family. And it's always been something that I've thought about and I've brought it to the bedside every day. She was like, and now I can see in comments from patients, you treated me like family or from the daughter, you treated my mother like she was your family. And she said, that just validated all of this love and energy and care that she's been putting out in the world for all of these years to know that her intention to treat patients like family was actually being realized this whole time. 
you know, especially during COVID when families couldn't come and the nurses were their family and were the ones there when they passed, holding their hand, the last to speak to their family member. I mean, it's just so true. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kim. That's really powerful and very important, I think, for our our listeners to hear. So thank you. So Kim, I'm going to shift to a a speed round and we're going to take a beat and I'm going to ask some quick questions about you and just answer them sort of off the top of your head. No need to overthink them. And I think we'll have some fun at the end of this. So my first question is what atypical leadership quality do you think that helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, I don't know, Rebecca. Like, all I can think is just been kind. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I've stayed true to myself. I don't pretend to be anyone that I'm not. I don't want to sound cocky, but I just, I am who I am. Well, you said being kind and being authentic. So I think sometimes that's interesting that you brought up kindness because I think sometimes when people think of leaders, they think of people who have to kind of sometimes put their kindness to the side at times to make tough decisions and get some sort of tough messaging across. But I, I love how you led with that. And then you're like, this is just who I am. And it's funny that you said, because there are times that we have to make tough decisions, but if you consistently put the patient at the center of, what, of your decisions and, and why you make your decisions, it makes it okay. And I think we can be kind as leaders and still deliver tough information and have tough things. And you're right. If your heart is in the right place with the patients at the center and your team members at the center, that's going to pay off. It's going to impact in the way that it needs to. But I love how you shared that. Next question. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened at work? There's a lot of funny things. I don't know if this is appropriate to say or not. Okay. So when I was a labor and delivery nurse, we had a really tough shift and we were all like high-fiving at the end, but we were exhausted and we're walking out and labor and delivery nurses can have a weird sense of humor. And we look over and there's a bag of chives, chopped up chives and a Ziploc baggie. And we looked and we all looked at each other like, is that marijuana? And in like the, in like the nursing lounge. And so we all like, literally we were so tired. We just started laughing and we were like, oh my gosh, watch this. And so we were going to play a prank on our nurse manager. And so we took paper and we rolled it up and we put it on her desk. I think we were exhausted. And the next day, the nurse manager didn't come in, the director did. And we got in so much trouble. But to think about we were, she was like, what is this? And I'm like, chives, it's chives. And we laughed and laughed. I mean, because she was a very strict director. She was, she was, she did not find it funny, but we, we thought it was hilarious. I can just imagine the look on her face, seeing the chives rolled up and then, and then you all just like kind of laughing in the background. There's nothing like a good prank. <laughs> uh, no, it were chives. But anyway, we got in big trouble. Oh no. <laughs> but, but the good news is that you survived to tell the story today. So you're still doing well. That's the good news. Yes, yes. And we do go back and laugh at it because we were like, just, it's just a joke. Humor, I think, is so important. Like, we got to laugh at the end of the hard days because that's what gets you. And, you know, you had all, all your colleagues or your team members all around you. And, like, you kind of needed that to, to end the day. We did. And none of us are like that at all. But we just thought, I think that's what made it so funny because we we're like, this is funny. We're being sneaky. <laughs> and we're not sneaky people. That's amazing. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that, Kim. That's awesome. So last question. When you're not being superwoman chief nurse and 
even still finding time to be at the bedside and hold a patient's hand. What are some things that you're doing outside of work that fill up your cup? Just spending time with my children. I have a 16-year-old and a 27-year-old and a 29-year-old, and they're each so different. And each time I spend time with each one of them, it, it just brings a different experience. And then my husband, of course, he's wonderful. So really spending time with my family. My mom, she's doing okay. She has pulmonary fibrosis. And so it's either with my family, my children, my husband, or with my my parents that fills my cup when I'm not at work. Just a gift. Every dime that I can spend time with any of them is just a is a gift. And if it's just sitting around talking and doing nothing but having a cup of coffee together is amazing. And I love it. It's that simple. Kim, I can't help but notice a, a real theme here, which you know, you shared one of the things that you love about your children is how different they are. And earlier you shared about how important it is for us to respect people wherever they come from all their differences. And it appears that this is something that, you know, you're really passionate about in all aspects of your life. What allows you to hold multiple truths at the same time, to be able to really honor and respect and love people's differences? And how do you kind of perpetuate that? I love having different interactions with people or different challenges. You know, I I thrive. I tell the president of our hospital, we laugh. I thrive in chaos. And so being with different people with different needs and personalities, and it's kind of a, a chaotic sort of environment, if you think about it. And I don't like same old, same old. And so I find it interesting. I'm the person on the plane that probably drives people crazy because I want to get to know the person that's sitting next to me. If you're an introvert, they're probably like, oh my gosh, can I have a different seat? But I love people and people, I find people interesting. I love to get to know people and understand where they're coming from. And I just love people. It's that simple. And in, in our differences, that's that's where the interest really lives. It is. Yeah, Rebecca, that is so true. And it's interesting. And, you know, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she could find the good in anything. And that's that, something that I've, I learned from her. I thrive off of being around people. That's where I get my energy. So well said. And Kim, my grandmother was the exact same way. So I really, I really connect with you on having grandmothers that set the the stage for us as we grow up. And so I, I love it. Well, from one granddaughter to another, thank you for this conversation. Leave your bias at the door and see the good in people. Lead with compassion and care with compassion. I'm Rebecca Kornmetter. Thanks for listening to Moments Move Us. Remember, when you put people first, your actions can move others in unexpected ways. Be sure to follow wherever you get your audio.